You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Hey guys, uh, Merry Christmas, and I want to thank you for joining us. Let's put those online. Special thank you. Uh, I love you dearly. Our church loves you. Uh, most importantly, God loves you. And our prayer is God will use this Christmas season to speak to you. You change your life. We're going to study the Christmas story today. And so, kids, you might want to press pause. If this is you out there, uh, you can go to visitgracechurch.com slash Christmas and download the activity book we have for you. Uh, visitgracechurch.com slash Christmas, the activity book, and we'll be starting on pages three and four of that book. So I'll begin with this question. When is the last time you heard this particular sentence, this phrase, it's so common, I'm so busy. How you doing? Man, I'm just, I'm so busy. It is cliche in our culture. Everybody's busy. We're all busy. And this is a busy season. We got the Christmas season. So it's about planning and shopping and wrapping paper and traveling and family and cooking and events. It's been go, go, go. Many of us are feeling like life is busy. Maybe you feel like that today. You don't need Christmas though. How many people answer, how you doing? It's just, man, I'm just so, so busy. There are two challenges uh, when we get busy. Two things happen. Number one, there's no room. Number two, we get distracted. So there's no room, first of all. So, when, you know, when you get busy, you ever feel it? When you get busy, you have no space to think, no room to breathe. You just, you feel squeezed because you're busy. And you get distracted. You've been so busy, there's something right in front of you you just miss. Like you can miss the most important things in life because you're distracted by busyness. Today, we're going to be in the traditional Christmas story. You can join me in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. Uh, this is the story of the innkeeper's Christmas. The innkeepers experienced at Christmas. Now, we don't know whether there was one innkeeper or many. We knew there was an inn they tried to stay in. But, you know, as I studied this passage out, I was struck by how modern this story is. A modern challenge, keeping us sometimes from the most important thing. We're going to walk through the Christmas story in two parts. Part one, how Jesus got to Bethlehem. Part two, what happened to Jesus in Bethlehem? How Jesus got there, what happened in Bethlehem. And for both of us, we're going to pause and see what we can learn about God, learn about ourselves. Let's go ahead and pray. Join me in prayer right now. Father, I pray right now that you, we pray together that you would speak to all of us, those who are worshiping with us at our three in-person campuses, those who are worshiping with us online. God, I pray your Holy Spirit might teach us the Christmas story in new ways, open our eyes up to truths we've, we've read but missed, details, and show us how this story is really a modern story. The challenge we face in our culture today, we face individually. And I pray you would draw people to you, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We worship you this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's talk about part one. Part one of the story, how Jesus got to Bethlehem. And I know some people are saying, I know, I know. 
in his mother's tummy. And they're right. Okay, that's, that's actually true. I'm not talking about physically how he got to Bethlehem. I'm talking about whose idea was it to take him to Bethlehem? And kids, we're going to be on page six, seven, and eight of your activity book. Page six, seven, and eight. So in Luke chapter two, what's going on? Mary and Joseph are engaged. And then Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, a virgin pregnancy. It's been about nine months or so. So Jesus is due. The baby is coming. The problem is Jesus is about to be born in the wrong city. He's about to be born in Nazareth, some 90 miles north. Let's pick up the story in Luke 2, uh, verses 1 through 5. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And uh, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Okay, when you look at the story, if you look at verse one again, verse one, right before Jesus is born, God moved the most powerful person in the world, the Roman emperor. This man led 45 million people in his empire, led that man to call for a census to move everybody back to their ancestral home. And in verse four, you can see in Joseph's case, even though he's up in Nazareth, his family's from Bethlehem, some 90 miles south. Now, why is that hugely important for us? The Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. He had to be born in Bethlehem. That was a promise from God from 700 years before. An amazing promise. God had spoken many promises about the first coming of the Messiah and second coming. But 700 years before, through the prophet Micah, in Micah 5.2, here's what God inspired. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrata, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, the Messiah, Jesus, whose origins are in the distant past, yeah, eternity past, will come from you on my behalf. Yeah, when you read this story, it's pretty incredible. God himself gave Micah a prophecy about the birth location of the Messiah. But he was 90 miles away. So God moved an emperor to move an entire empire. So one woman goes 90 miles. That's a miracle. And when I read this part of the Christmas story, it's amazing. Here's what jumps out to me. Christmas was about God keeping his promises. Christmas was about God keeping his promises. Kids, that's, that's the blank on page seven. The Bible is full of God's promises. And if God has to move a single guy to move millions of people, to move one person to fulfill his prophecy, he will do it. That's amazing about God. The Bible is full of promises. To me, God's promises are like the sunrise. Here's a picture of a sunrise. Isn't that beautiful? You know, this morning... I didn't worry that the sun was going to come up. Is it going to come up or not? Tomorrow, I'm not worried it's going to come up again. Or the next day or the next day. Why? Because day after day after day, that sun comes up over and over and over. And the Bible is full of promises. God's promises 
are like the sunrise. I don't worry today that God's fulfilling his promises. I don't worry tomorrow he's fulfilling it. Why? Because day after day after day, God has filled promise after promise after promise. It will happen. Here is a list of 23 promises about the first coming of Christ. Like promise after promise after promise. I just scoop these things up. And God was willing to go to great lengths when he makes a promise every single time. It's fulfilled to the letter. Guys, Christmas is about God keeping his promises. I was talking to uh, some friends of mine recently. Uh, They had incurred some debt in their past and they're committed to getting out of debt. Um, And they're committed to God's promises because Malachi 3 talks about the, the benefit of giving, that when you give, God does things in your life that are extraordinary. So they're still tithing, 10%, still giving and paying down the debt in their their effort to do this, they're taking on extra jobs, extra side hustles, saying no to certain expenses. One expense was this trip to a favorite place of theirs. They said no. And then sometime later, they came across another person who happened to gift them, unbeknownst to them, a trip for free to the place they said no to. God's promises, Malachi 3, when you give, God blesses, God defends. In addition, They're trying to pay down their debt. They had another story of some of me handing them a check to help pay down their debt. Like God fulfills his promises. That's what Christmas is about, fulfilling his promises. Okay, we talked part one of the story, how Jesus got to Bethlehem. Let's talk part two of the story. What happened to Jesus in the womb in Bethlehem? This is right before he's born and kids, we're gonna be on page 10, 11, and 12 of your activity book. We'll pick up the story. Uh, Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. The baby's coming. Jesus is coming. He is not going to wait. The story starts in Luke uh, 2, verses 6 and 7. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. Mary would go on and Joseph to have a number of brothers and sisters for Jesus, half-brothers and sisters. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because, here it comes, there was no lodging available for them. No lodging available. Okay, so as I studied, re-studied this section out in preparation for this weekend, I was struck by the innkeeper's experience at Christmas. Now, similar, like some of us, we're we're like walking innkeepers ourselves today. In verse seven, notice there was no lodging available. So like, how'd they know? Well, they had to be asking. They had to be knocking on doors. In Jesus' day, there were no such thing as hotels, not the traditional, no Hiltons, no Marriott's, no Airbnb's. Regular people would open up a room or several rooms and, and then host people in their home and in. And what struck me about the story is Jesus himself came to this guy's front door. He's there. The innkeeper heard the knock, cracked the door, saw the young couple, and Jesus, though he's hidden to his eyes, is right there. He's right there. And this innkeeper said to the king of the universe, I'm sorry, I'm just so busy. Every room I've got has been rented. It's taken Got no room for you. 
In verse seven, that word lodging in the Greek is the Greek word topos. We get the word topography from. There was no lodging, no topos, no topography. The innkeeper had no area for Jesus, no room for Jesus, no space for Jesus. He's way overcommitted. Here's what jumps out to me from the second part of the story. Some people have no room for Jesus. Some people have no room for Jesus, no room for the creator of the universe, no room for the one that sustains them every day, no room for the son of God, the one who died for them. Kids, that's page 11 of your book, writing in the phrase, no room. Something you'll battle the rest of your life. Having room, space for Jesus. Some people, they are, we are just like the innkeeper. So we, our innkeeper filled up every single room with renters, and so when Jesus there, he thought to himself, I have, I have no other space. I have no space. We fill our lives up with priorities, things, stuff. We have no space because we're so busy and we miss what's most important right in front of us. It's so, so common. So I have a confession. I have a confession. Uh, I want to share something that I have done before. It's kind of embarrassing. I wonder if you've done it before. So how do you respond when you hear this sound at your house. Okay, maybe it sounds different for you. How do you respond when you hear this sound at your house? Or maybe it sounds like this for you at your house. Yes, yes. So here's my confession. Uh, I wonder if you've ever done what I've done. Uh, so you hear a knock or ring at your door. Someone is at your door and you decide to go quiet. <laughs> Don't move. Don't make a sound. Hope they go away. And eventually they do go away. I confess I've done that before. Not very often. I wonder if you've done that before. Here's the challenge, or the problem for us. This is what people do to Jesus all the time. Like the innkeeper, he's right at the door. Mary and Joseph knocked Jesus at the door of their life and he was too busy for Jesus. And what happened, Jesus says, he does this. He actually says this, spells this out in Revelation 3, verse 20, that the Holy Spirit will knock in your thoughts, knock on your heart and desire because he's on the outside of your life looking in. Revelation 3, 20. This is Jesus' words to Christians, mind you, to a church. Look, he says to Christians, to a church. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, what's he gonna do? Here's promises, more promises. I will come in. A promise, I'll be on the inside of your life. Not on the outside looking in. Another promise. And we will share a meal together. We'll live life in community, relaxing, talking, comfortable, guiding. Another promise. Another promise. As friends. We'll be better friends. So when Jesus is on the outside of people's lives, what does he do? He knocks. That is the thought in your mind. Yeah, I, I, I really should. I, there's more to life than just what I'm doing. God is on the outside of my life. That thought, it's your heart. You feel it. You know it. That is the knock of the Holy Spirit. 
And just like when we quiet down some anoxymore, if we quiet down and don't move and hope he goes away, Jesus doesn't barge in. He, he goes away, the feeling subsides, and we miss out. Some people have no room for Jesus. Here's my question for you. Do you have room for Jesus? Do you have room for Jesus? Or are you going full innkeeper these days? And I know what people are thinking. Ugh, a pastor at a church talking about Jesus. You don't understand the, the rhythm of my life. My life is so busy. I'm so stressed. I don't have room for anything else. Look at my life. But you don't understand. See, Jesus doesn't want to take something from you. We're like, we're going to add to my life, add to my schedule, add to my stress. Jesus wants to give you things. You open the door and let him in because the non, not the taker, the giver of life wants to give you stuff that you are missing out on right now. Open the door to Jesus. It relaxes you. It slows you down. It makes you healthier and gives you a friendship, a legit friendship with the God of the universe. And some of us are still wondering, why would I do this? Here's just one verse Paul describes with 10 things you're missing out on right now that I'm experiencing. I'm a sinner. I'm not, not perfect. No one is. But I'm getting these things from the giver of the universe because he's inside my life, in the inside of my house. Romans 15, verse 13. Look at these 10 things he wants to give you. I pray that God, he wants to give you himself where you know God is on the inside of your life, not the outside. The source of hope, Romans 15, 13. Hope where you know it's a solid, confident hope will fill you completely. The sense of being fulfilled and complete and contentment that you don't have right now with joy. The kind of joy others have, but you don't have, not like he gives. And peace. Peace that passes everyone's understanding. Peace no matter what is going on in your life. He wants to give you that because you trust in him. Trust with the most trustworthy friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you will overflow a real sense that your cup runneth over, that your whole life is just God giving to you and giving to you and giving to you over and over. And you overflow with good things in your life, with confident hope. There's the confidence you have that you don't have through the power. Power is available to you. He wants to give you his power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you, fill you, with his Holy Spirit. Guys, just, just don't want to take anything from you. He wants to give to you, and you are missing out right now. Why? Because some of us, we've gone full innkeeper. From time to time, we hear the knock that Jesus says he does, even in Christians' lives. And we pause, and we wait. Or we crack the door, and because we're so busy, we miss what's right in front of us, the living Son of God. How about you? Jesus loves you. And there is no condemnation of your past. Forget the past. Who cares about the past? Starting today, he's knocking in your thoughts, in your heart with a better life for you. Will you open the door? He's on the outside looking in. Will you invite him in? If you're a Christian, yeah, it's a prayer. What does it look like? It's a prayer of surrender. You actually literally pray, Jesus, I open the door of my house to you. I open my life to you. I ask you to be in the center, not on the periphery, not the once in a while, but Jesus, I ask you to fill your promise. You said you would come in. I believe it. You said we would relate to each other like at a meal. I believe it. 
You said we'd be friends and grow. I, I believe those promises. God, I open myself, my schedule, my life, everything to you. If you're a Christian, would you pray that and open the door? And if you're not a Christian, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He was, came as a single-celled God up in Nazareth. And then he grew for nine months to a ready-to-be-born baby. God in human form. Over the next 33 years, he lived a perfect life. Why? God requires a perfect sacrifice for sin. We can't do that, so he lived it for us. And then he died on the cross. God laid your sins and my sins on Jesus. And the Son of God died, suffered the penalty you and I deserved. He was buried for three days. And he conquered death and hell. And he rose from the dead. He was seen, he was seen, he was seen, he was seen over 40 days, 10 different times. And then he ascended after 40 days to heaven. And he's at the right hand of God. He's going to return one of these days. And he's done all this, worked in your life. I mean, if he would move an empire to get one woman 90 miles south, he's moved in your life to get you here now. So you would receive Jesus as Savior. Would you bow your heads? If you don't know Jesus, would you just pray? Jesus, I want to know you. I am not a Christian. Tell him, I am not a Christian. But I'm ready to open the door. Jesus, I open the door to my life and my heart and my mind and my body and my job or education and finances, all of it. I open the door of my life for you. And I place my faith in Jesus who lived and died and rose again for me. If you prayed that, it's the greatest moment of your life. Would you do me a favor, the honor to let us know at Grace Church? Go to visitgracechurch.com, fill out a connect card, and let us know that you gave your life to Jesus. We want to celebrate with this. I even equip you with a resource to help you grow. It's the most important day of your life. It's your spiritual birthday. And to all of you, Merry Christmas. Open the door. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.